All right, so good evening once again. Um, today is the 10th of August. It's a Monday. It's a great day to be alive and another exciting day to also explore radical disruptive ideas that would give us leverage in taking conversations, in joining in on the conversation about what the future of Africa holds, right? I strongly feel that we, the young people, especially we, the young people in the undergraduate community, are the unlocking at the uh, where uh, you know is you guys hold the key to the future right now today the venture matrix for the future of africa series seven called um is called ergo now ergo is a latin word that means therefore right and he wants to explore what are the practical steps that after learning all these things we've been learning over the last um, eight days right over the last seven days rather what are the next steps we need to do right what are the next steps we need to do to be able to actualize a transformative economy? What do we need to do to create an enabling environment? What are the first things, what are the basic things we need to tackle first, right? That is what we are talking about in Ergo. So after all is said and done, right, as we've done over the last days, right, therefore, that's what I was trying to say here, right? But it was just interesting to use Ergo um, for Series 7, right? So this is a roundup of the project, of the publications project, right and here we get down into the practicals of things right so in this in this um in this series we'll be talking about throughout it right we'll be talking about um six major things right highlighted throughout this thing the first thing is what in the first paragraph right i go back to the beginning talking about narratives right but this time i give specifics on how to what how to what to do with narratives this is what to own, the, to create the narrative, own it, and drive it, right? So those three things, right? What are we to do with our narratives? We are to what? Create the narrative, own the narrative, and then drive the narrative, right? That's the first thing we need to do, right? After all is said and done. The second thing is what? We need to what? Disrupt culture, right? Disrupt culture, and sustain culture. By disrupt culture, I mean we need to introduce a new, let me not call it new, a progressive form of culture. A, yes, that's the word, that's the best word. We need to introduce a new culture to how we see problems, right? We need to start a culture that's excited about um, 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 problems, about social problems, and about exploring um, uh, these problems for to unlock the, the prosperous destiny of, of Africa, right? Um, and as one as Efos Aljama uh, puts it, right, the market creating innovation. So we need a culture of not just innovation, but what market creating innovation within the context of Africa, right? Um, the next thing we need to talk about is what what is the social case for innovation? It means how do we explore innovation to solve social and economic problems to solve socioeconomic problems right that's the third thing we'll be dealing with today the fourth thing is how do we solve how do we bridge the gap between economics and business right by solving the business of economics and the economics of business right so in simply put right what kind of solutions do we need to explore first right that can create um, that can trans that can transform nigeria or africa from an emerging economy right to an emergent economy do you understand that is what we'll be exploring also right the fifth thing is 
So how do we create what they call an investment climax, right, for the venture matrix proposition, for something like the venture matrix proposition? How do we make sure it is investment friendly? And what is the role of investment and the flow of capital in naturalizing this, um, this, this vision, this responsibility, as we call it, right? And secondly, how do we properly engage stakeholders, right? How do we create uh, mutually beneficial circumstances where both parties, right, which is the undergraduate community, right, and their stakeholders can see if a, a, a plausible, a, a, they can see um, um, the potential, right, of the undergraduate community in driving change across Africa. And, and second, um, and lastly, we're going to understand, um, so why did, what are the main objectives of this venture meeting for the future of Africa? What are the, what are the goals, what are the objectives that we seek to actually, um, to actually uh, um, bring to fruition? What, what do we seek to actually do with this venture matrix, right? Through the projects, through the other parts of the projects that we'll be talking about and all of that. So let's jump right into today's piece. So today's piece is called The Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa, Series 7, Ergo. In the previous decade, or rather in the previous decade rather, the narrative case for the undergraduate community in the economic value creation ecosystem of Africa is an archetype to the folklore narrative about the lion and the hunter made popular by Chinua Achebe's response during an interview with Paris Review in 1994. He gave a charge as a clarion call on the need for the bravery of lions, summed up in this response. There is that great proverb that until the lions have their historians, the history of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. Now, this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. It's one of my most inspiring quotes for this project, right? What I was saying in that first paragraph is, what is happening in the current state of things? The current, when we're talking about economic um, value creation, the current narrative about young people, especially the undergraduate community, exists like the same way Chino Achebe spoke about the relationship of the hunt and then the lion and the hunter, which is that if the, if, if the lions, right, don't have historians, that means if the lions are not telling their stories, eh, every story about the hunt will always be that what the hunter succeeded. Do you understand? So even if more hunters were killed during the hunt or more hunters were hunted than the lions, if the lions do not own their story and tell their story and keep records of their story, it is, the hunt will always right, be glorified by the hunter. Meaning that it's only the people who tell their stories that will be heard. In fact, it's as practical and as simple as that. Once you go to a crowd, right, the only way your voice will be heard is if you speak. If you don't speak, if you don't share your own ideas, you will not be heard, even if you have all the ideas that people are looking for. So the undergraduate community needs to focus on what? Not just having a narrative, but what? Creating the narrative, owning it, embracing it, and then what? Driving it, meaning sharing it, sharing it, sharing it till we get heard. Do you understand? That is what that whole place is speaking of. That is why, um, um, you know, when I tell people to share and update their digital journals, right, they don't understand the gravity of, of what they're doing. That is why people that have been doing it, I can almost bet, I can place my future money on them, that when we start the actual project of giving people resources to invest in students, led uh, 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 initiatives, right? Their schools will perform the most because of what? 
they followed instructions. They have digital journals. They have students in their communities who are reading their posts, who are reading the articles, and are just waiting to just what get the resources that will make them what explode. I'm very, I don't want to mention names of schools here, but I, but I need to mention people that I'm very impressed by. People like um, um, Modupe, um, Laja, yes, sorry. I think that's, that's her name. Yes, Modupe Laja, right? Um, she's been doing impressively well. I'm sorry if I, don't, if I don't mention your name. It's totally fine, right? I'm just doing it as a case of reference. Kendi Olasheni too has been sharing uh, a lot. Um, I know, I know Eric. Eric Simbelo is one of the most consistent people with Digital Journal. He's always the first, if not, you know. So those are the kind of people I, I, I can bet, I can bet, I can bet it that those guys, their schools will catch fire. I'm sorry, please do not fire, fire, fire. <laughs> I mean, their schools will catch the vibe. Right, the fire of the venture matrix, they will catch it easy because what these guys have what, been sharing the story, they've been sharing the narrative. Right, please don't be offended if I didn't call your name. There are a lot of names in my head. If I be, if I start calling names, right, they, there's gonna but keep sharing your journals, keep sharing the stories about the narrative of the venture matrix um, program, and you will see how this will work to your favor in the future. Worries, yes, I know worries. I have to mention worries and his name. Um, Doing an amazing job, doing an amazing job. Um, yeah, you guys are amazing. Please don't be offended if I don't call your name. So the productivity gap existing in the undergraduate community stems from the existing narrative about their role and participation in the economic value creation ecosystem of Africa. As expressed in a TED talk by Chimamanda Adichie about the danger of a single story, the last de decade has been mostly focused on the single story proposing the value offering of the undergraduate community at the talent supply side of the conversation. Now, what I was trying to say there is um, there's a popular um, TEDx video on YouTube and on TEDx uh, website about the danger of a single story made popular by Chimamanda Adichie, right? And this conversation talks about, you know, remember that um, thing I said in series one or series two where I said, if you don't tell your story, people will tell it for you, even if they don't have the facts or they don't know the story, right? So, the same thing with the danger of a single story is that most times the people who actually own the stories do not tell the story. So people tell the stories for them, right? And then they don't cover the major morals of the story. And then those stories begin to drive narratives that begin to create dysfunctions in people's outcomes and realities. So this is what I'm saying here, that because undergraduate community students have not been sharing their ideas, they've not been sharing their narratives, they've not been sharing their stories, right? The ecosystem, the, the, the economic value ecosystem just created a story for them that once you hear undergraduate uh, people, they are just talents, right? They are just better when they are what employed to solve problems, not that they can be creators of employment. So that is what Apple is trying to say, right? So there's never one side to any narrative, but the narrative that defines the realities of our ambition is decided by who owns, in fact, this is to be highlighted, right? Let me take that again. There's never one side. So everybody knows, right? In fact, if you see people fighting, right? And you try to get, oh, why, uh, what's the gist? Why are people fighting? You will not hear one side to the story. Do you understand? If you don't ask the people who are fighting, instead, you are looking at the people who are looking at the fight and you're asking them for the story. If you do your proper research, you'll find out that the people who were watching the fight and the people who fought, they will have two totally different stories. Do you understand? So that's what I'm trying to say here, that there's never one side to any narrative, right? But the narrative that defines the realities of our ambition is decided by who owns and drives the narrative because that shapes the nature of the conversations 
that, that are hard and can be hard. So let me give you, let's use that same scenario of people fighting. So if you are walking on the street, you just see people fighting. You didn't ask the people that were fighting. You just went to one mama who was observing. Do you understand? I say, ah, mama, why are these people fighting? She will tell you, ah, is that guy, oh, he just came, he just slapped him. They were not even doing, like, they don't even know each other. Oh. They, were just, they were just slapping each other. And then the next thing, this one just started cursing this one's mother. And then that one thing, he just started punching, punching, punching. That one says he's going to kill him. That one says he's not going to kill him. That he's not going to breathe. Then the next thing, katakata boss, that's why they are fighting. Do you understand? She doesn't know why they are fighting, but she has what? Created their own why. That is because somebody came and slapped the other person. If we now go to those people, right, and ask them, guy, how far? Why are you people fighting? The guy will now say, ah, oh, we're actually wrestlers or we're in dramatic arts department. We are doing a promotion for a, for a drama that we want to act this Sunday. So we just decided to do a public display of fight. Can you see two different stories, right? But the reality, if you only take that mama's story and you're going on the way, that means every time you see those guys, you see them as what? Fighters. So until you ask them for the actual story, you now learn that, oh, they are not fighters. They are, lower, they are just what? Dramatic art students. That's the power of stories and narratives. It defines the reality of every person that is observing it. That is why if we don't own and drive our stories, people will continue to create what? The same narratives are what? Defining our current reality. That is what I'm trying to say there, right? Our, our ambitions will be cut short based on the narratives that already exist around us, you know? That is what I'm trying to say there. So this is very important to note because according to Lawrence M. Miller, the, Lawrence M. Miller is a professor, um, is a professor right? right? The average person on this planet is adaptive in adapting to the realities of their environment. That is, the realities of the environment define the reality people are likely to conform to, which drives their beliefs, values, behaviors, and actions. Now, what he's trying to say is that the power of narratives in creating an environment, right? Or creating parameters, creating how much we can do, right? is very significant because human beings don't like stress. So we like to outsource everything. So why should I be stressing myself asking the person fighting when I can just ask mama who was watching the fight for the story and then I'll be moving my own. That's why gossips sell faster than actual truth. Do you understand? People just naturally conform to the environment. If, if, if just, just, just like think of a bridge, right? Every time there's no bridge, people what, just normally cross the road. Because what? That is what the environment provides. But once there's a bridge, except in Nigeria where you know, it's a normal dysfunction that even when there's a bridge, we'll still prefer to cross road. <laughs> but I'm just trying to say that is the power of environment, right? But that, but that, that other side of this conversation about culture is because we have a culture for not just respecting um, structures and, and stuff. But that's, that's not the conversation for today. But that's what I was trying to explain there, right? So the undergraduate community narrative is, high, is highly underrepresented and easily pitched as a talent pool to serve the economy instead of being part of the innovation engine of the economy. I think we should understand this line by now where I'm saying, because we make up a majority of that young population, right? We should also be the ones driving the conversation, right? But then we are currently even underrepresented. Apart from being underrepresented, we don't even have a narrative. By, being, by underrepresented, right? You want to say, oh, there are actually people, right? Who are doing good but you find out that they are just a small bunch it's not balanced you know this life no balance you know this economic case no just balance that's what i'm trying to say there that if you are hearing talents gone that when they're even saying uh, yes 
you know, young people in Africa, they have developed as talents and all of that. You find out that most of these talents, if they are not in Lagos, they are in Abuja. If they are not in Abuja, they are in Enugu. If they are not in Enugu, they are in Portacot. And that's all. Right? Even though their talents spread all over Nigeria. So there's even massive underrepresentation in the conversation about young people. Aside that they're not even driving the narrative, there's even still now underrepresentation. So we need to fix that. That is why the Venture Matrix Leaders Program has strived so much to make sure there's what representation. We have people from the North, from the South, from the East, and from the West represented in the program. And I'm so happy that we're able to achieve that, even though not on a massive scale, but at least on a quantifiable scale that we can use to judge our efforts, right? So um, that was what I, I was trying to say, right? That instead of being part of the innovation engine of the economy, we are both underrepresented and what's not even existent in the other side of the conversation about economic value creation, right? So the first point of action is a what? Is a concerted effort to explore the possibility of the other side of the existing narrative and shape a different one because narratives expose us to the realities of the boundaries and barriers defining how we lead, how much we can lead, and how, and, and um, sorry, how much change we can lead and for how long. Let me take that again. The first point of action is to what? Share our narratives. That is why, please, you need to take updating your digital journal very seriously if you want your, your, your school to change, if you want to be associated with the change that's going to happen in your school, right? So the first point of action is what? Is a concerted effort like this leadership program to explore the possibility of the other side of the existing narrative and shape a, a different one. Because narratives expose us to what? To the realities of the boundaries. So that's the power of narratives. Once you start shaping a narrative, you start to see, ah, there is this boundary that we need to focus on. There's this barrier we need to focus on to make our narrative more robust. So that is why you need to share your narratives, right? Because it was, it, it begins to, just like we learned in, the, learned in the power of questions, it begins to inspire you and trigger you towards ask um, questions, right? So that's what I was trying to say there. So let's jump right in. As I said, we have so much to do today. I've already spent so much time. So every real change that has shaped the realities of our world today can always be traced to a defining narrative that shaped the conversations around that change and inspired a generation to think, believe, and act differently. Just like Steve Jobs, just like um, Tesla, Elon Musk. Do you understand? There's always a narrative. Once you look, once you ask about the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos, you find out that there was a narrative about, you know, how they became, right? And how they, begin, they began to inspire a generation to think, act, and believe differently. So to this cause, the Ventral Matrix for the Future of Africa has been focused on the initial purpose of establishing the narrative. So that is why, so the whole focus of why I wrote this publication was what? Narrative change, basically. Right? That was what I was trying to say. Is that aside uh, sharing ideas and leaving a blueprint, the major focus was what? Present a different narrative to, that, that, you know, drive a different narrative. That's, that's what I was trying to say this, right? That we focus on the initial purpose of establishing a narrative to shape the conversation about the untapped potential of the undergraduate community through series one to three, series six. To cause real change, the undergraduate community needs more representation in the conversation about economic development and participation in the economic value creation ecosystem. The undergraduate community, especially its leaders, so this is a call to you guys on the program. The undergraduate community, especially its leaders, you people, you need to own the narrative and drive the conversations around the value creation narrative. So that is why on the next segment of this program, we're having what we call the forum. So these sessions we've been having, these live sessions based on every piece, right, has been called what? The onboarding sessions. But the next one is called the forum. So you need to come heavily blazing to drive conversations with stakeholders, to say, 
you know, these are the things we need in our school, right? Give us the resources, give us the tools. This is our superior argument to why we think we can join in in the economic value creation conversation. That's what I was trying to say this, right? And it will start from you leaders, not the ordinary students. It will start from you leaders who these students look up to and have given the responsibility to drive um, the, the, the realities of the aspirations on campus, right? So it starts with you leaders. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So as leaders of tomorrow, we need to own the narratives of what of today if we're going to cause any real change. It has to be done today, not tomorrow. They told us we're the leaders of tomorrow. That is fine, right? But we need to own the narrative today to become those leaders of tomorrow. So we even need to start leading from today, basically. So that's what I'm trying to say. This And the onus is on you people, the leaders of these undergraduate communities, you people in the churches, you people in the political space, you people who are just students doing um, volunteering to causes, you, you students who are innovating, you students who are building businesses, you are the leaders. That it will need to start from. You know, everything starts, it starts from the head. Um, that was that re regular proverb that says, if, if the fish starts to rot, um, the fish always starts to rot from the head, right? The whole fish is bad. Do you understand? So it starts from what the leadership, the top, the head, the leaders. So young people in the other community must own their narrative, master it, and build structures around it for it to become the narrative. So what I'm trying to say here is that until we start to do these things, until we start to create systems, until we start to build things, right, the narrative will always remain the narrative being, being built for us by other people, right? But until we master the narrative, sustain the narrative, and drive the narrative, it will not become the narrative. So we need to focus on having narratives about us to not having the narrative about us for us to cause real change, right? That's what I was trying to say there. We must begin to speak about the change we want to see until we start to believe that we can cause the change and are excited enough to take actions that can ensure we make it happen. This is a frameable, this is a quotable, you can quote this anywhere. It was said by Battelle, the fiery idol, right? that we must begin to speak about the change we want to see until we start to believe that we can cause the change and are excited enough to take actions that ensure we make it happen. So you can see the process of, of leading change here. You must first speak about it. If you don't speak about it, you're not going anywhere. Right? So you need to speak about the change you want to see. Paint pictures, just like the way I'm doing. Right? Paint pictures in people's minds. Have conversations. Share ideas. Share your thoughts. Right? Then... When you do that long enough, you begin to believe your ability to make it happen. Like now, these eight days has made me, if I more than ever, right? It has made me believe, right, that I can actually cause this change, right? And then when I start to believe it, I will now get excited enough to start to take the actions to ensure that I can make this change possible. Do you understand? Um, yes, I'm sorry. Please, um, you know, that video was a little inappropriate. So let's move on to the next, next end, right? So once we start fixing the narrative challenge, we need to invest our effort in also fixing the culture challenge. So once we fix the narrative, right? I'm jumping into the second thing now, right? We need to fix the culture. We have a co very complacent culture right now, a culture of uh, just take it as it comes. There's nothing we can do. A culture of learned, of, of learned self -help of self-helplessness, of learned self-helplessness. You understand? We need to change from that culture of, of self, 
wow, it's a, it's a very complex word, so forgive me, of learned self-helplessness. That's the word, right? That's the culture where we just take it as it comes, you know. Leaders are doing anyhow. We'll just complain and just rant, you know. We feel helpless. There's nothing we can do. No, no, no. We need to change that culture from a culture of learned self-helplessness to the culture of innovative, of market creation, creating innovations. So that is what we're jumping into, right? So once we've changed the narrative or we're, we're changing the narrative, we need to jump into culture. So culture is one of the most underexplored mediums of socioeconomic power on, on this our side of the world. Developed economies and developing economies like China and the United States of America, respectively, defining the global economy and driving the realities of the world have been able to exploit culture as economic and even social power. That is, one very significant feature of a developed economy is a developed culture. A culture that is infused into their economic and socioeconomic structures. That is simply what I was saying here, right? That developed economies integrate culture into what? Their economic engine. So this is a model that the undergraduate community must adopt to achieve the purpose of the proposed venture matrix for the future of Africa. So this is what I'm trying to say is, you need to imbibe the culture of what? Market creation, creating innovation. The, the, the culture of innovation needs to be the culture in the undergraduate communities, right? We can be creative and infuse the existing culture within those host communities. Like now, you're in a Yoruba-centered, um, you're, you're in a Yoruba-centered uh, 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 community, right? So when you're developing, let's say if you find out that you need to develop an app, right? Or you need to, in fact, you, don't, you can't, old people don't, you know, cannot be developing apps for old people. But let's say you develop a solution where, um, you develop a solution, right? So you can do it in Yoruba language to easily communicate, right, with your target audience, you know? So imbibe those things like culture, you know? You make sure that the people at your office are culturally dressed so that the people within that culture can relate. So if you're a tech company, instead of wearing swags and the rest, you can wear swags, but you know, maybe have an Af African print on it or have, you know, so just those little, 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 um, little, little bits of culture, right, can be infused into what this is our own culture of innovation where we see problems and we tackle them with global solutions. We are focused on our local problems, tackling them with global solutions. That's what I was trying to say um, um, with this culture thing. So this is the model that we need to adopt. This is how we we'll not only change the narrative, but also sustain the impact and outcomes of the narrative on Africa's economic outlook. The cultural disruption being addressed here isn't the social or tangible aspects such as language, art, clothing. So that was what I was trying to explain that you can infuse that, but that's not the kind of culture I was saying we need to disrupt, right? It's not that tangible part, right? But it's the intangible aspects such as what? The belief systems, the ideologies, the philosophies, the values, the behaviors, principles, systems, and processes. So what, what I'm trying to say is our new value system, our new cultural system needs to be, uh, our disruptive cultural system needs to be more based on what beliefs, ideologies, philosophies, values, behaviors, principles, systems, and processes that promote, right, the culture of innovation, that promote innovation. That means we need to speak in innovative terms. We need to picture, we need to, we need to create in innovative terms, right? That's what I'm trying to say. So it's not just about having artworks, language, clothing, music. No, no, those, those are the tangible parts of, of, of culture. These are the intangible parts of culture that I'm saying we should focus on and disrupt, right? So instead of learned, um, self-helplessness, right? We need to focus on developing a culture for innovation. So I think I've, I've beat that one enough. So the culture we need to embrace in our undergraduate community is the culture of innovation. And in the economic context of the venture metrics, the culture of markets creating innovation. The net impact of cultural disruption on the undergraduate community 
would be experienced through all verticals of our socioeconomic structure. That means it will be experienced, world, um, experienced in all facets of you know our socioeconomic, right? In the social business, everything will be will be it will reflect there. Because once people are better, once students feel better, their families start to feel better, you know, you know, things like that. So it will affect all, 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 all structures. In the cultural environment for academia, defining the undergraduate community across the University of Nigeria isn't the actual problem, right? So that your university is in one local village, that is not the problem. That's what I was trying to say there, right? Or that the problem of academics as the only culture, right, within the undergraduate community, I'm not saying that's the problem. That's not a problem at all. But I'm saying the problem is that that is the only problem. That is the only culture. Instead of having an environment that supports different cultures, right? So instead of having just an academic culture, right, within these uh, undergraduate communities, right, we need to have a culture for innovation. That's, that is simply what I was trying to say there, right? That the problem, the cultural environment for academia, defining the undergraduate community across universities in Nigeria, isn't the actual problem. The problem is that it is the only culture defining the community in an economic environment whose future is dependent on what? On diversification. So imagine in Nigeria where we're talking about diversifying our economy, right? And we're not diversifying our human development. It's, 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 it's crazy talk, right? So that is what I was trying to say there, right? That we need to start diversifying from even our structures, like even our educational structure. So our educational structure should not just be focused on the culture for academics and scholarly competence, but also on the culture of innovation and as many other cultures as our economics demand for. That is what I'm trying to say there, right? So I'm saying we can, we can see this replicated from top down as we look through Nigeria's history and see that we, we are prosperous when our economic culture was defined by diversification from what agricultural outputs. But sadly, we shifted to a unilateral, unilateral culture defined by relying solely on one channel, crude oil. So that's what I'm saying, right? That even if you look at history, right? Nigeria and Africa was prosperous when we were more diversified, right? Nigeria used to be very wealthy where we used to have a diversified economy through what? Agriculture. So we're doing cocoa, we're doing um, um, different agriculture, we're, you know, we're invested in livestock, you know, do, you know serving different, different, different nations, we're invested in textile, yeah, clothing and textile industry. So when we had a diverse economy like that, we were prosperous, but we now shifted everything. Everything just died, and we shifted only to one culture, um, to one to one economic stream of crude oil. That is where the major problem started, right? So this sort of misallocation of resources needs to be to be avoided in the development of a venture matrix for the future of Africa's survival, right? So to make things practical and sustainable, we must make sure that there are forms of measurement against predefined goals, implemented by predefined stakeholders right so this economy as we are proposing to integrate into the event sorry this simple premise defines how we are able to measure the impact of cultural change on an economy as we are proposing to integrate into the venture matrix right are you with me if you're with me let me know in the comment section hello so Host community. So what I was trying to simply say this is that the measure of the of the, of how well this culture is doing 
is when students start to actually practice it and solve problems within their local context that can affect what not just the undergraduate community but the host community that their university is located in that's what i was trying to simply say there because once the undergraduate community starts to embrace a new culture right in their interactions with the stakeholders outside their campus which are you know the local mama on the street the the other people on the street um the people out that are not students outside campus and all of that most of them will start to, to what adopt your culture right they will start to what, be acculturated right to that culture of the undergraduate community you understand that's what i was trying to say there so this means that undergraduates can start to develop the ideas they have for either scholastic advancement or value creation because there's a culture catalyzing their environments into an enabling one this ultimately means that the measure of the success of the efforts to adopt a cultural shift to the culture of, of Okay, sorry. So this ultimately means that the measure of the success of the efforts to adopt a cultural shift to the culture of innovation is the democratization of economic power. See, you know, once ever I say democratization of economic power, it just means that when economic power is easily accessible by anyone, anywhere, right? By, so I'm saying that how we we'll know that the culture of innovation is, is, is doing its work is when there's a democratization of economic power easily accessible by both words, the people creating the value and the people was consuming the value. So both by what the value creation class and the economic class of the undergraduate community. But it is not deemed successful until the impact can be replicated in the host community of the university. So what I'm trying to say is, when we start doing all these things, right, and the economic class of our universities and the innovation class of, the, of our universities are, you know, are getting access to more economic power, right? Meaning that even though students are not, you know, the students who are creating activity and the students who are not creating and just facing academics, both of them are earning money, right? Both of them are earning access to finance, you know, access to funds and all of that, access to, you know, a better life, a better quality of life, right? We, we, we can say we are successful, but we are not fully successful if we cannot see that same thing replica replicated what, in the community outside our campus. So that's what I was trying to say, say here, right? So these propositions may sound pleasing to the ear and mind, but they are not void of practical social of, 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 a, of a practical socioeconomic case that will disrupt our economic framework for generations to come. This need for practicality and result-based approaches is the essence of the approach to designing the proposed venture matrix for the future of Africa. So what I was trying to say is all of these things sound sweet. It just sounds like you know, hula baloo, you know, it sounds like a sweet story, right? But then it is of actual socioeconomic essence that if we do this, we we'll disrupt. Um, Africa's economic outlook for generations to come. So that's what I was simply saying there, that this is actually practical. Even though it sounds really good, it is actually practical. It, it, will, it will shock you to see how simple it is to actually practicalize all of these things you've been learning, right? So um, I'm, uh, that's what I was saying here, that the need for practicality and result-based approach, right, is the essence of how I designed this um, venture matrix for the future of Africa. I didn't just design something where I'm just, you know, building castles in the sky. Right, I identified the issues and then recommended solutions. Right, so that's what I was trying to say there. So this model deals with the allocation of resources, although this model employs what a social, a social framework. So you can read this thing, right? Right. Well, okay. What I'm no, okay. Let me read it out before I explain it. So this model deals with the allocation of resources, although this model employs a social framework. It is economically designed at its core. So what I'm trying to say is, even though this thing is economically designed, the framework is social. But at the core is economics. That's why I remember telling you during the onboarding session that this thing sounds good, right? But we will not deploy all of these resources 
in universities that do not meet the investment case. In simply put, is until your university passes at least those first three stages of development, where there are enough groundbreakers, there are enough um, there's enough awakening in the communities. That means you have enough communities, and you know these, it is right for creating creating an enabling environment. We, we will not deploy in your school. That is why you need to read these articles, be aware of it, and start to what collaborate within yourselves in your school to start to what evaluate where you stand so that you can easily position um, for these resources. Don't worry, resources is not a problem. It's about your university being an enabling environment where once you can convince investors to invest money in your school, that there are students who are creating um, 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 solutions of economic value, right? That they will be able to see their money back and what get some benefits. Do you understand? That's what I was simply trying to say there, right? That at the core, it is still basically economics. It is not anything uh, free. It's not a handout. It's practical business and economic principles here. So it is best engaged as a what? Social enterprise or entrepreneurship model. So what I'm advocating for is entrepreneurship, but what? Social entrepreneurship, where, yes, we are creating value, but what? We are also solving social issues. We are trying to drive cultural change. That's what I'm trying to say there, right? So at its core, the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa project is about designing and deploying. So it's not just about designing, just talk and do. No. After all this much talk, the next series of activities that is from September down to December is full hands-on work. No more time for talk, talk, talk. We've talk we'll be talking for two months. Do you understand? So that is what I'm trying to say here. That is about what? Not just designing, but designing and deploying an approach to increase the participation and inclusion in the economic value creation ecosystem of Africa. This project seeks to achieve this objective. Now, let me say this here and now. My, 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 my goal or the goal that we have for this project, right, is that between now and the next cohort, which is what, next year's June, July, right, would have impacted at least 10,000 or 100,000 undergraduates across Africa. Right? So, this is a target that we are working towards, right? Like now, in um, September, we're going to be working on a petition campaign to get 25,000 undergraduates to sign a petition for policies that create enabling environments within their university. So, brace up for that. That I'm saying, all of this talk will end soon. Real practical hands-on work will start. So, you leaders are going to drive this change. They're going to drive this campaign. That is what I was trying to say here. So, this project, right, seeks to achieve five main objectives which are number one, to lead a conversation to, to reshape a narrative, just like we've been doing, we've been having conversations, right? Number two is what, inspire a new generation enthusiastic about change, which is what we're doing what, through the, the leadership program. Like now, most of you have been here who have been reaching out to me, telling me you've been inspired, you're so excited, you're ready to do something, you're ready to work. Yes, amazing. So that, is, that means we're hitting our objectives right. The third is to present an exciting approach to unlocking Africa's prosperous destiny. So just like the things we've been talking about, you know, or what we start talking about with stakeholders, you know, with dealing with practical stuff. What can we actually do, right? So the fourth thing is facilitate the allocation of resources and capital to a human capital-centered economic diversification engine for explosive economic growth. What I was trying to say here is, you know, just like this, this stage, what we'll be doing in October, that we'll be doing a nationwide um, uh, uh, um, competition for students to innovate um, on solutions that solve their, their local problems with global solutions, right, and get access to what? to a whole year's program of mentorship for six months and a whole, another six months for being funded, um, 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 for the ideas getting funds, right? For the next six months. And then they're also going to get help hands-on building what you know, they are in the program to build. 
So that's what I was trying to say here. Right, to facilitate those resources. So me, myself, and my team will be talking to, to, to resources, to investors all around the year. We've already started. We've already started raising some very interesting amount of, of, of resources, right? Just ready to hit that target of impacting 10,000 um, um, people between now and the next cohort of the, of the Venture Matrix Leadership Program. And the last is what is to bring to fore the untapped um, potential of the undergraduate, um, undergraduate environment, right? Or it should be community, so the undergraduate community. So that, that those, these are what the, 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 the objectives, these are the things we tend to achieve. Where at the end of the year, when we're, when we're looking at our books, we can say, okay, yes, out of these five, we achieved, um, we achieved a lot. Do you understand? So that is why we are on this program together. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, what this means is that as good as the proposition sounds, they won't be deployed in underrated communities that do not fit the economic case at this initial stage of deploying the venture matrix model. So I've already explained that. Leaders of underrated communities need to be aware of this possibility to be a part of this conversation. I've already explained that. They, they are major stakeholders in the possibility of underrated communities positioning themselves as the engine of transition for Africa. I've already explained that, meaning you guys hold the key, right? The, the, the fate of your university actually rests on you. That is coming from this, this angle. You understand? I'm not God. I don't decide your outcomes. But I'm saying, as far as this venture matrix, oh, right? You that are here representing Unilag, um, Ibadan, OEU, Enugu, you that are here, you are the fate of your university. So if you, if you perform well, your university will be grateful to you for it. And of course, you get all the recognition, all the accolades that you deserve, right? And if not, your, 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 your university will miss out on the chance. So that is why, you know, you need to take this extra seriously. We're not, it's not child's play. We're not playing here. We're here to do actual stuff, really, really actual stuff. You know, I remember talking to, a, to, to, to a, someone I worked with in 2020, late end of 2018 and 2019, right? I remember running this project. I think I mentioned it during the Venture Matrix, right? Where there was, there was actually 20 million Naira, right? To deploy, just to give to students to build stuff, right? But of course, when we did our research, when we were doing our due diligence, we found out that, you know, the student environment wasn't an enabling place. It doesn't have an healthy, it doesn't have a healthy investment climate. There were no business models to even support the investment and flow of capital, right? That is why, so there was 20 million there on the table, right? But it could not be deployed to undergraduate communities just because there was no enabling environment. Do you understand? So that's what I was trying to say here, that the fate of your university, right? There are a lot of people that you are unaware of who want to give you guys money. But your community doesn't just support it. Do you understand? So that's why this is being done right now to bridge that gap. That's what I'm saying. This is practical stuff. This is not hula balu where I'm just sharing dreams, you know. You know, I'm just sharing dreams because I want to show that, you know, I know stuff. No, no, no. This is practical stuff that has, you know, real life consequences. Do you understand? So I'm saying leaders need to represent this wave of change by stepping up to drive conversations in the, in the adoption of the cultural changes required to achieve this vision. Facil to achieve this vision, facilitate multi-stakeholder relationships that could evolve into partnerships and master their narrative to explore the stages of development to establish the viability of their community as one position from the venture matrix of, of Africa. Like now, for example, we're going to have representatives coming from, we're still working on it, at least let me be transparent, but I feel strongly that we're going to get, we're having representatives from Africa Development Bank who are going to come and engage us on the kind of resources that they can provide us to take on this kind of projects if we're able to successfully deploy the venture matrix in the designated schools, right? So we, I'm, I'm talking to some friends um, who have connect at Africa Development Bank, talking to some of their, 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 their um, people, right, to come and join us in this conversation in the forum, right, for what we're having. So we're going to have people from, I strongly believe, in fact, I say it to my chest, that we're going to have people from 
um, we, we already have people representing governments both inside and outside the country. So we're going to have people um, 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 from the Africa Development Bank, you know, development economists and the rest. Um, we even have someone who's a special advisor to, um, you know, the presidency, you know, coming, coming around. So we're going to have really, really tangible experiences with these people and represent our ideas with them. So leaders need to be responsible with and for the redesign of the university environment as proposed in the series three, the case and the matrix, right? According to the stage of development that the university is, 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 is in as discussed as series two. So if you don't understand the phases of development till now, this is the best time to go back to all the articles or at least even go back to series two and understand what those phases of development mean and where your school is so that you can what? Start using all of these things we've been talking about to quickly position your school for the opportunities, right? Don't worry. When you start seeing what's going to happen, you would understand better. Wow, this is already 4.52. Let me rush now. So two basic factors are defining the indicators of undergraduate communities positioned for the venture matrix. They are what? Social and economic factors, indicators. So that's all. So there are just two indicators that we're using to judge if your, your university is ready. They are social and economic indicators. However, the social indicators are the most essential. Defined and fixed. So the social indications are defined and fixed, while the economic indicators are flexible and allow for variations. What it simply means that when we are evaluating your school, right, we want to evaluate it both on what the social indicators more than what the economic indicators, because the economic indicators can be created and developed. But the social ones, those ones are very um, strong, right? In this proposition, the social indicators account for 55%, while the economic indicator accounts for 40% and 5% for the unaccounted. Do you understand? So there are things that we cannot, you know, that our eyes or our minds have not captured yet. So that's what we are locating to 5% of evaluating if, you know, your, your community is ready for the flow of investment, right? For the unaccounted of the probability of actualizing economic outcomes as desired. So the social indicators must be accounted for first before the economic indicators are considered. The social indicators, the social factors as described in series two are what? Disruption. So it's just what we talked about in what the first wave. If there has what been a social political or social political landscape disruption by the rise of leaders, just like how we spoke about, right? In my case, where um, Shion Fakorede, right, um, disrupted the political landscape, just like how um, Naimat, right, talked about um, a student dying and then, you know, it's um, a, a health, dying of a health challenge that could have been easily treated and it created an uproar. So we want to check have those kind of things happened in your school and the students act. Once we see that students acted, we know, okay, these guys are ready. The second thing is what? The stages of, 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 of development, right? How many communities do you guys have in your school? You know, so those social factors are the things that we mentioned in series two are the indicators that we we'll use to what? Note if your undergraduate community is ready or not. That's what I was trying to say there, right? So in series two of this project, I talked about indicators and stage of development that define the viability of deploying the venture matrix across undergraduate communities in Africa. I mentioned the first wave, which signals a form of disruption in the social political, sorry, excuse me, or social political landscape of the undergraduate economy that opens up space for a new narrative to be created, shaped, and explored. One easy disruption is highlighted above, that is when leaders begin to lead a cause. So if none of those things have happened, right? The Venture Matrix Leaders Program, right, is your, is your buffer. What it simply means is if your school doesn't have good social indicators, that's fine. Once you can perform really well in this program, right, uploading your journals, sharing the narratives, getting people involved, getting more people from your school to join in on the program, 
that one will mark you as being um, ready on the social indicator side, which accounts for 55%. Do you understand? So that was, that was what I'm trying to say here. So one easily, one easily disruption is what is when leaders begin to lead a cause, like leaders in the Venture Matrix Leaders Program. So that's the first indicator of an undergraduate community that can cause an economic change because everything rises and falls on what? On leadership. The rise of leaders with an agenda that makes the undergraduate community think, believe, or act differently. Like in this case, the Venture Matrix Project is positioning for the allocation of resources to create an ecosystem for that university. So the rise of leaders as the first indicator isn't restricted to this proposition case. But any rise of leaders towards transformative leadership to a cause in forms of political, social, academic, business, etc. So any form of social disruption at all will be account will account for that. You understand? So the second indicator is a form of transition through the life cycle of development, as explained in series two. Also, so as I said, if you've been able to cross the first three stages of development and then got into the fourth stage, which is what the enabling environment, you will be you'll be considered as ready, right? So this also, because if you've not passed through those stages, then what are we deploying? You don't have a case for the deployment of the venture matrix for the, for, for the future of Africa. So as I said, this is supposed to be practical. So I'm just telling you things to look out for and prepare for, right? So as I said, for those who, you know, maybe they have been slacking, they've not been attentive, it's fine. You have another chance, right? Once we close the application um, deadline today, we're going to start another type of onboarding before the forum, where if you have not been follow, follow, followed up, We'll reach out to you and tell you about your participation and tell you, oh, we don't think you're performing well. And you can choose to what, either be evicted or reactivate your partnership, um, your, this thing, by doing X, Y, Z things, you know, by doing one, two, three, four, five, six things. Do you understand? Then when you do that, within the same timeline, you know, you'll be marked as active and ready for the program. So this also reinforces the fact that there are defined talent pools that can be engaged with resources to solve specific problems or explore specified opportunities. Any stage of development below the third stage of development doesn't inspire investor confidence in viability of the venture matrix within our community. So that, what that means is, if we've not achieved those first three stages, it will be hard to convince an investor to invest in your school. So the economic indicators are a set of metrics I designed for the venture matrix, and I'll be using my alma mater, Obafemi Awolo University, as a case of reference. They represent a set of factors to be considered before deploying the venture matrix resources so to resources to that community, right? So I'm saying that I'm going to use Obafemi Awolowo to, to explain how these um, indicators work, right? Because they represent a model that we can work with. So the economic indicators of the ventral matrix in no particular order as listed here are, number one, the number of other communities in the hosted tertiary institution, access to markets, most preferably, preferably undergraduate markets, diversity at university and host community governance, access and proximity to natural resources, real estate portfolio, the density of corporate presence or penetration in either the undergraduate community or host community, road network and infrastructure to facilitate access to markets, demographics, socioeconomic health and performance of host community. That's for example, that is civil, civil society organizations and the nature of social ch challenges, economic position and portfolio of the host community and degree of access to an innovation plus alumni network. Now, what I just read out are what the economic in indicators. That means what are the things we are going to look at before we say this university, this undergraduate community is ready for the venture matrix um, um, resources. Do you understand? So I didn't talk about them much, but they will be discussed in the book I'm going to be publishing in September of 2020. So um, by next month, by the last week of next, next month, by the grace of God, I'm going to be publishing a book based on this project. 
where it's going to outline everything in what in details, right? So my team and I, we've been working hard on developing the project and, you know, we're working towards that timeline by God's grace, right? It's, it's a lot of work, but we will do it, right? So, so if you're a writer um, and you think you want to jump in on the project, you want to work with me to develop a book, uh, to develop the book around this project, um, you know, you can reach out to me on WhatsApp and show me what you've done and then let's have a conversation about it, right? So, Obafemi Awolowo University in Ileife, Oshun State, is a befitting reference case for these indicators and is well positioned for the deployment of the venture matrix. The score points for these 11 indices of the venture matrix indicators is an average of at least healthy scores across five indexes to protect investment. So, what I'm trying to say is, even though I listed 11 indicators, right? You, your school only needs to do to perform well in five for us to at, least um, to, to at least consider it, right? So you don't have to have all the level indicators before we think your university is ready, but at least five, because those five would at least say, okay, at least that is, that is you know, almost, at, almost average, right, of the level indicators. And of course, we can, we can, we can take on the risk um, of investing in your school. So... Um, Yes, so that was what I was trying to say. So using IFE as a case study. So what I'm saying, IFE is very ripe. Let me, let, me, let me expose it to you. So as you can see this table, right? Just follow me with this table. You can see number one, prospects, which is what? The university. So in fact, you can create this table and send to me just for me to tell you if you are ready or not. Understand? So the prospects, which is what? The undergraduate committee we are, we are looking for is what? Obafemi Oral University. The host. Is what Ileife, Oshun State. That means where is the, the where is the university located? Is what Ileife. So these are the indicators, right? These are the results, and this is the score. So indicators number indicator number one: the number of undergraduate communities in the hosted tertiary institution, meaning how many how many communities are in OU. We have well more than ten, almost twenty communities in if in OU. It is amazing. There are almost twenty. But that's why I just said above 10, right? 10 is a very amazing number, right? Talk less of in OU where, you know, the agree is more than, it's almost 20. I'm sure I don't even have the numbers right. But I know, it's, I know it's more than 15 at least. Communities in OU, right? So over five, they score four, right? Access to markets, most preferably on the market, markets, right? OU has above seven, meaning that surrounding on OAU, right? There are about seven or there are more than seven universities and markets connected to OAU, right? For example, from OAU, especially IFE, right? You have access to markets like Akure, Ibadan, Lagos. Um, even so, even IFE is, is centrally located. It, access, it gives you access to every part of Nigeria, right? Um, access to the east, north, south, you know. It's just, it's just really interesting that IFE is placed that way. And then there are even access to markets, which is what there are other universities surrounding Obafemi University. There's Redeemers, there's, um, I've forgotten that list, but I know I have the list somewhere. There's Redeemers, there's IFE Poly, there's OUI, you know, all of those. So there are other universities around Obafemi University that create markets. So what it simply means is that a student in OU can start a business serving all those markets. You can create a business that, is, that has customers in Lagos, in Benin, in everywhere. He also has customers in what in other universities like OUI, um, Redeemers University, all those you know private universities, and so he has access to markets, right? Third, diversity of university and host community governance, meaning that how diverse 
is their governance in the university and was their host community. So there's both local and gubernatorial governance, right, in in Ife. So they have the only or the the only sorry of Ife, right, who provides governance at that level, right, and then they also now have a state gubernatorial. So it's diverse, it's diverse, right? So if you present your case to the state, they do not allow at least at the 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 palace, right? Your case can be considered. That's simply what I'm saying. So it's diverse, right? It, it, and it is, it, is, it is also detached from the university's governance or allegiance to any party, right? That is, that is what I mean, right? Although at the state and, and gubernatorial level, right, they are, they are attached to political parties. But I mean, your case can still be presented um, even, even if it's non-partisan. That's what I mean. So access or, or proximity to natural resources, right? So Ife has more than 10 natural resources available here in Ife. I'm not even talking about ocean states. I'm saying here in Ife, right? So that, 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 that there are more than 10 natural resources. Now, why is natural resources um, necessary, right? Since we're not going to be working on natural resources, right? It's not like as if we will be mining Kasserite or Columbite. No, no. But the presence of natural resources just provides what? International leverage. It means that we can easily invite conversations from ex internal, for internal relations, simple, as simple as that. Right, it's easier to say, oh, we are a gold, um, we're a gold processing state, right? Working on in innovation, you know, it just it just gives more weightier conversation. To you know, you understand all of that in the book, right? So there we score three, because even most of these uh, most of these resources are not very high consumables, you know. But we have very high consumables like gold. We have like columbite. We have granite. We have wood. Actually, we have. We have very we have a lot of wood and iron ore. So that's what I simply mean there. So real estate portfolio is is there a diversified real estate portfolio or economic classes? Yes, in Ife, you have real estate for the rich, you have real estate for the middle class, you have real estate for the poor. In Ife, you can still find rents of 20k per year. Can you imagine? Right? You also still can find rent of 180k per year, and you can find rent of you know 600k per year. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. That's you know, as simple as I can explain it, right? That the real estate portfolio is really diversified here in Ife. So also look for that in your university environment and see how diverse that portfolio is, right? So density of corporate presence or penetration in either the undergraduate community or host community. So this really means that how much corporate presence is in either what the university or outside. For example, in um, Ife here, right? We have, we have Terragon. Terragon is a very big company, yet they have an office here. So that means that there's something they see here. That means this place is what's economically viable, right? Mobile just opened um, its own car wash, its own car wash, right? So it shows that, you know, there's corporate presence here. Big businesses have business here. There are people building businesses here, you know, in Ife. So that means, you know, there is something here that makes it economically viable. Either maybe because of the cheap labor, maybe because of the access to good light, maybe because of the access to low cost of living and rent. Maybe that's why. But I'm saying that is an indicator. Once you can see that, oh, wow, there are corporate companies here, that means we can deploy the matrix here, right? And in effect, we have more than seven, right? So I explained here that there's a representation of private organizations in the student environment. So even if you don't have that in your school, but at least you have it in your, in your environment. Like now, maybe you have student ambassadors for this company or, this, this, or students have little companies that are already doing well, you know, SMEs, you know, that represents that, oh, this is an, economic is a is a, is an economically viable um, environment, right? When you have students representing, you know, banks, you know, in their school, you know, these guys, you know, are economically valuable because, you know, it's an indicator that you can deploy the venture matrix there. 
Second thing is infrastructure and road network. You know, you know, it's as simple as that, right? How can we deploy solution where, you know, the cost of transportation is high or there'll be so much wasted because the roads are bad. So, but in Ife, there are good roads, right? It's, 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 a, it's almost an anomaly to see a pothole here in Ife. It's, it's very interesting, right? On the major roads, even within the campus um, community, the roads are sweet. You can, you can drive without stress, you understand? So that's what it simply means, right? That Ilife is a central access to other parts of Nigeria, east, south, and west, and proximal to some of Nigeria's commercial hubs like Lagos, Ibadan, right? So there's infrastructure also in Ife. In fact, Ife, right now, they are doing a road construction where they are expanding the road from two lanes to, I think, about four or five lanes, right? So it's, it's they're expand, they're expanding the road networks here in Ife. So it's an exciting stuff, and it's a good indicator. It's a good sign that, you know, we can invest in the other community to partake in these resources that are being provided, right? Second thing is demographic. So we need a dominantly youth, youth um, demography, both in what's the other community and what the host environment. So yes, um, Ife, Ife, Ocean State, Ife Ocean State has about 4 million young people, right? That's not even accounting for the, um, the student community. The student community alone has you know, more than 30,000 young people, right? Um, then talking about 4 million others, right? So that is, that is a good number to, to an extent, right? So that's why they score a 4 over 5 here, right? So socioeconomic health and performance of host community, right? Is that steady, steady progress over a five-year period with rise in um, civil society organization involvement like um, one, ISEC, JCI, university. So yes, um, they're they are the present. So why they scored two here is that they just have pro, um, presence, but we cannot measure their actual progress, right? Um, in, you know, social change. That's why they scored two there. But, you know, that's why I say social economic health and performance of host communities. So I'm saying the JCIs of ISEX, they're doing really good on campus, but off campus, you know, you cannot really measure how much they're doing, but it's a very, it's a very necessary indicator, right? Like now, uh, if uh, some years ago, I think in 2018 or 20, between 2017 and, and 2020, still ranked the highest in, you know, female gen genital mutilation, right? That's a social, that's a social issue, right? So for, for, for that reason, for, one, for that reason, it contributes to why they scored it too. You know, if we have some, if we have more, civil society organizations advocating for more human rights and all of that and more social problems, you know, they, they, they could have scored better. But I'm saying that's an economic indicator that once we see that, we know, okay, it's, it's ready for change, right? Because once we know that people are thinking differently, we know that, you know, deploying things as novel as this would not be hard. So degree of access, right? So the last, the, okay, not the last, um, the 10th um, econ economic indicator is economic position and portfolio of the host community. Potential to become an economic pillar. So, you know, we use economic indicators to, to, to notice, to, to evaluate if what the local community, not the, under, uh, not the undergraduate community, or the local community. So, like in Ife, um, like in Obafemi uh, University, in Ife, right, what is the potential for Ife to become an economic player right now? It's not very high. Do you understand? So, that's why it's called a two, right, compared to a place like maybe Lagos or a place like um, Kaduna. Yes, Kaduna is one of those places that the economic position is increasing like fire. Because of you know amazing great leadership, right? So that's what I was trying to explain there. So the degree of the last indicator is what the degree of access to the innovation alumni network. What that means is how much of the alumni actually created solutions in their school. That's what it means. You know how big 
is the alumni of the innovation class. Once you know, once you, once you understand this, you know in OAU, our alumni network for innovators is, is big. It is crazy. They even have a, a group already. Do you understand? Most of the innovators driving the African ecosystem came from OAU, right? The people that created um, CC Hub are from OAU, uh, Jobberman from OAU, um, you know, the list goes on. Even if they are, the, the founders are not OAU, at least their management team, you will see an OAU person there. So we have a rich network of alumni, right, that can easily, you know, provide this, um, you know, those resources we talked about, about um, people who have done and not sharing their story. So I'm saying we can easily create a network. This, this indicator just poses how easily can we what, get access to a network of what innovation class that are from that university. Another university that I know, they have a, they, they have a, you know, recently they're having a growing innovation class is Lautech, right? Most people from Lautech right now are the ones driving innovation um, in Africa, right, in Nigeria. That's what I was trying to say here. So that's why we scored a four, right? That's why we scored uh, a four in that, um, in that, in that um, place, right? So here, Finally, so as narrated in the book, The Prosperity Paradox, please, if you've not read this book, you need to read it. It's, it will blow your mind. It, that if you read Prosperity Paradox, all these things I've been saying will become really easy to understand. The critical drivers for creating and sustaining economic prosperity are what? Finding opportunity in the struggle, investing in markets, creating innovations, which are much other things, create the jobs that help grow a local economy, and what? Executing a pool strategy of development in which the necessary institutions and infrastructures are pulled into a society when new markets demand them. So, as I said, innovation has to always come before regulation, right, and institutions. So that is what um, the prosperity paradox also um, aligns with, saying that let us even start creating first. Let us create an enabling environment, making people create, create, create long enough that institutions will just start, you know, arising, right? Infrastructures will just start arising, right? So the most under-maximized of these factors is the role of investment in unlocking the prosperous, prosperous destiny of Africa through the, through the motel proposed by the venture makers. Now, what I'm saying there is one thing that me, myself, I'm going to be focused on, right, within the next four months is this investment side. Is I'm going to be negotiating with investors, right, on how they can actually, you know, why, on why the undergraduate community is actually ripe for investment. That's simply what I was trying to say there, right? So investors are aware of So investors know that there are talents. They know that there are opportunities. And they know that there's the potential of the undergraduate community to what revolutionize the economy. But they can't just put their money there. They need something that secures their money. They need to know that they're putting money in something that actually works. That's what I'm trying to say here, right? So investors are aware of the talents, opportunities, and potential of the undergraduate communities because most of them started in these communities. Most of them even employed from these communities, right? But before this time, there hasn't been a proposition to bridge the gap between potential and prosperity within this climate. I mean, before what I'm doing now, it's not easy. They, they've not seen an avenue on bridging the gap, right? So I feel very lucky to be part of this. Um, I feel very lucky because, you know, I can easily drive this conversation because they are already aware of it. They've just been looking for someone or some, or some group of people to, you know, represent the possibilities of this idea. So the virtual matrix seeks to bridge that gap through the models discussed in series one to series seven. I was privileged to see the impact of this investment model adopted in the business in Delta State. So a business leader with business operations spanning four different states with plans for expansion to six others had grown fond of the series and decided to adopt some ideas for his business, which just a month ago had a production capacity of 10,000 units daily. So I'm saying, so there's, there's a leader who you know, I respect very much. He has been reading this series and he got some ideas and he explored it. And you know, he has a, a, a nationwide business, right? He has four, four locations 
that they are expanding into six locations, you know, in the next. Okay, I think that's even private information. So they're, they're expanding, but they're growing really fast, right? So he invited me to witness how we had decided to employ local talent. So he actually invited me over to his business to come and see and have a conversation on how you know he I, I can he can better exploit these ideas that I've been proposing, right? So he invited me to witness how he had decided to employ local talent to solve a production capacity problem by innovating on the design of one of his equipment, which drastically reduced his initial cost of acquiring a piece of equipment worth 10.5 million naira to 3.5 million naira and increased his production capacity by 150% in output, while overall operational cost was reduced by 30%. Now, what it simply means is that by some ideas that he recognized in this piece, he was able to double was able to increase the production capacity by 150%. That is double and then half of it extra, right? And reduce the cost of operations by 30% because of what he employed local talent to innovate around a problem. That is what I was trying to say. So the local talent was a young man who had dropped out of school. He didn't have academic qualifications to be trained by Indians over a period of five years and can now design this equipment while training a team to do the same. This investment would create more jobs, generate more revenue, and serve more non-consumers with great quality at lower cost due to the decrease in production cost and an increase in production volume. Right? Uh, I'm sorry I'm a little over time. That's why I asked for extra 15 minutes. But if you, if you have something else to do or something else to, or somewhere else to go, you can go and then you can join in later. Right? So investments, funding, and grants are a huge aspect to this proposed value creation ecosystem within our undergraduate communities. Because when the flow of, mon of monetary resources is directed towards the transition of ca into capital, um, towards the transition into capital, it doesn't just remain money anymore, but becomes an enabler for the creation and exploration of opportunity. What that simply means is that when, invest when investments, right, when investments, when there's funding, right, it transforms from money into what? Capital to explore opportunity. So the narrative of this series of publications is primarily targeting investors, right? As major stakeholders within the venture matrix ecosystem. This project has mostly considered the investment and venture capital framework in its design and makes the potential of the undergraduate community less far-fetched and investment-friendly. So what this means is that the way this project has been designed is to appeal to investors. That's why most of the, term, the terms have been appealing or directed at investors, uh, um, you know, convincing and persuading investors to, 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 to put some of their money in the undergraduate community. So the investment case for the venture matrix, that is, what investors have to invest in is what? Market-creating innovations with business cases that achieve two, three, or more of these outcomes. So create jobs. So I'm saying they, they need to invest in ideas. What me too, I will be focusing on investing in the next four months is to invest in ideas that match these three cases, right? Even the competition will be designed to host ideas of students to match these three objectives, which is what the, the idea is to create jobs directly or indirectly, or empower people to create or explore opportunities in any form for a better quality of life. So the idea is to what employ the local indigenous or employ students, right? To what? He has to create jobs. Even if it's what? Two, of course, we'll not do two now because that investment uh, ticket will not be worth the value. So, um, of course, so the idea is to create a lot of jobs. Right, that indigenous can partake in. And also, if it doesn't even create the jobs, that means it has to be able to create, um, it has to empower people to be able to what, create jobs. For example, if I start a venture capital fund now and I have 100 million naira, right, your innovation can be to create another capital, another venture capital firm that helps me maximize maybe 20% of that 
to give it 50% returns. You understand? So that would be a viable idea of investing. Do you understand? Even though he's not employing people, he's not employing jobs, at least he's investing in maybe other kinds of startups to bring me um, um, returns. That's what I'm trying to say there. So impact of, so the second thing we're looking for is that the idea has to impact what a lot of what non-consumers, but also what make a profit. How you do that is what disrupting the business model, right? And that means the business model can easily scale in a high volume, low price market environment. That means the solution has to be so cheap and affordable that anybody across any class, rich, poor, or almost rich, can afford it, right? And it's a solution that actually impacts their life, but it also makes a profit. Do you understand? So that it also makes a profit, right? And the business model is that it makes, a pro it makes more profit when it sells to more people, right, at that price, instead of, instead of you know, high price. That's that what I'm trying to say. So, and then the third thing is that you have to impact and drive cultural change and changes in the behavior of a community or some social impact that directly or indirectly helps the growth performance of non-consumer markets. What that simply means is that it has to make people better. It has to make people change, right? If your solution makes a, a, a grandma, right, more adapted to technology, if it helps her learn to use more technology or have access to more digital products or helps, helps her have access to more digital, uh, uh, um, um, more digital solutions, right, your idea is viable for investment in the venture matrix, right? So to unlock this investment cases potential, leaders and leaders within the, in the undergraduate communities would need to commit efforts to market creating innovations focused on, the, on increasing the economic performance of their host community. They would need to innovate around products. So this is where innovation needs to come up. Innovation has to come across three things. Is it that you're innovating new products or you're innovating new business models or you're innovating new partnerships? For example, if your own idea is that you can find a way for GT Bank, right, to be able to impact local communities, that is an investable idea. Because what? You're innovating what? Partnerships. You're doing something that's not been done before that GT Bank might probably have been missing. Do you understand? So you can invest in that idea. Or business model is um, if you disrupt in the way something is being currently done, but makes it cheaper, better, and faster, and easily accessible, you know, to the non-consumers. Or products, you know. So maybe you want to create new, new, new drink, right? But instead of using the kind of plastic bottles that Coke is using, you're using a, a bottle made of paper or something, right? That is biodegradable or, you know, no threats to the climate. That is investable. So that's what I was trying to say there, that you know, undergraduates will need to focus on investing on things with this kind of, of nature, right? That serves the non-consumer market of their host community and serve the economic class of their undergraduate community. So those are their two target audience, the economic class of their undergraduate community, right? And then the host community that they are in. So to round up, right? As I write ego, as I write ergo, in a dark corner of the room, contemplating how to conclude with an end that paints a picture of another beginning. I have an Eureka, an Eureka moment. My editing as assistant, her name is Tolu Ajibola, sent me a video by the same Lawrence M. Miller that I talked talk about earlier. And she said, I was taking a course on strategic execution, and this man spoke about the concept of what? The prophet and the prophet story. And immediately I thought of you and what you are trying to achieve with the venture matrix for the future, future of Africa project. So what I was trying to say is, I was thinking of, ah, so how do I even round up this whole series, right? How do I write up these publications and, you know, it to be able to encapsulate all I've been saying about and give actionable steps to the future, right? And then Tolu reaches out to me and says, oh, wow, you know, I'm taking a course on strategic uh, management and things like that. And this man says something that made me, you know, remember what we're doing at Venture Matrix and make me believe in it more and all of that. So it she talk, spoke about the prophet and the prophet story, right? And what it means is that, um, you know, 
you can check it out. But what it means is that there are people who would, you know, be, be, be looking forward to disrupt their environment and all of that, right? Those are what they call the prophets. And they have a story, right? That's simply what it says, right? So it occurred to me that the journey of disruption within me didn't end there. And there's no peace till I can share it as a reality outside me, right? So basically, so okay, let me just finish. This goes beyond being a prophet, drafting my vision and making it plain for anyone to see it and run with it. There's a story to the prophet. So I'd have to lead the change beyond just the conversation. Series seven signals the end of the first phase of this project and the beginning of the next phase. Ergo, it's time to get some skin in the game. So this last place is me reinforcing my promise to myself to see this through and carry others along so we've come to the end of the onboarding sessions for the venture matrix for the future of africa it has been an amazing time exchanging ideas sharing these ideas these very disruptive and crazy ideas with leaders from across nigeria and some even across the world right there's been an interesting amazing experience for me i feel very privileged and humbled and very honored by your presence in the program and you know visiting you know we did this you know most of you had to stretch you know we did this back to back to back straight for eight days. So I really value you, appreciate you, and thank you so much for joining in. Do have a great day. Also, thank you for the extra minutes. Um, I asked for 15 extra minutes, so I have five more minutes to spare. Thank you very much. So let me know in the comment section what you feel. Let me know your 